What up, what up? This is Hot Take Season, where these hot takes are rated E for everybody. I'm your host, Mia Me, back with another episode with the hopes of lightening the mood as last week was very sad for us all. It's going to take ages for us to get over the Kobe news. Um, and just may he and the other victims of that tragedy rest in God's love. Now, if you want your hot take featured on the show, you know what to do. Submit those to either of my social media platforms. I can be found at, at Hot Take Season on Twitter, at its underscore Hot Take Season on Instagram, and of course, YouTube Hot Take Season. Before I jump right in, I want to give a shout out to Jay Anthony over at Studio J Podcast. Y'all be sure to check him out. He features content from sports to pop culture and everything in between. He can be found on the main streaming sites such as Spotify and the likes of that. Also, my boy Jaren over at the No Bystanders podcast. Him and his crew cover a variety of topics as well. So y'all be sure to check them out. They got some pretty good content over there. Um, Now to jump right in. As I said last week, I had a few things lined up for this episode. But it's kind of old news now. So the first topic I'm hitting on, I'm only hitting on it because it was requested of me last week. It's pretty petty. So petty that I wasn't even going to speak on it at all. Until I was asked my take on it, so we're at hot take season, so you know, why not? Here we go, hot take number one. Dallas Cowboys defensive end Demarcus Lawrence and his fellow linemen have been going back and forth with the defensive line of the San Francisco 49ers over a nickname which originally belonged to a former rap group, the Hot Boys, spelled with an S on the end. The group formed in 97, um, and it included the rappers Lil Wayne, Juvenile, BG, and Turk. Now, I feel like if you listen to this show, then you know who the Hot Boys are or were. Uh, But for nostalgia purposes, I'm going to play a little snippet from a few of their songs just to kind of remind you if you need that reminder. So here we go. Don't know about y'all, but after this episode, I'm gonna have to run those uh, albums back because <laughs> those were the days. But anyway, back to the topic. Um, those were the original Hot Boys, and it seems like nowadays a lot of people are running with nicknames from stuff from back in the day, and it hasn't been a big deal. Many athletes coin themselves with nicknames, fans give them nicknames, the media does it too, either as a unit or as an individual athlete. For example, the 91 uh, University of Michigan basketball team with Chris Webber, Jalen Rose, Juwan Howard, Ray Jackson, and Jimmy King, they were the Fab Five. Allen Iverson is the answer. Paul Pierce was the truth. Kobe was uh, the Black Mamba. Jerome Bettis was the bust. Walter Payton was known as Sweetness. The Bad Boys were the Pistons of the 80s. The list goes on. So it's not like this is something new. In like 2018, I believe, Demarcus Tank Lawrence ran with the Hot Boys nickname for the Cowboys D-line. It was cool. It was catchy. Everybody looked for them to live up to the hype. Uh, They did on many occasions. It got so catchy that Tank decided to brand it by making merchandise. The S on the end was changed to a Z and he went about things legally 
the legal part is what's now really being highlighted as it should. Uh, I surely didn't see Tank taking those measures in the beginning, even though I should have guessed it. Fast forward to 2019 and San Fran's D wants to deem themselves as the hot boys. All fun and games, at least it seemed at first, with jokes here and there about them being called imposters. Many looked at it as, well, Tank has nothing to be upset about. The Cowboys D hadn't been living up to the hype anyway. But then the Niners uh, wanted to start selling Hot Boys merchandise. So now, in the words of Teddy Long, you just can't go collecting coins off of something somebody else is already legally collecting coins off of. Come up with your own name. The Niners tried adding extra Z's at the end and even going with Hot Boys University with two Z's. Real original, guys. One of my favorite Twitter followers, DC Blue Star, tweeted saying, the 49ers are dumb anyway because they could have named their defense the Gold Rush. And I was like, oh, girl, I got to use this on my show. Like, that's just the perfect name. And just as a side note, Ash, I will copyright it and just then pitch it to them. Get your money too, girl. Like, for real. She goes on to say that the whole thing is stupid, but D-Law is right. And I couldn't agree with her more. She carried on with her others showing that the first Hot Boys tweet from the Cowboys was September 6, 2018, while the Niners was August 17, 2019. And then she said, and so in conclusion, boy stop. It's clear Quan Alexander and his crew wanted to cash in on the Super Bowl publicity while they could. But I mean, just do it the right way. Don't go digging into somebody else's pockets. I'll admit, I was definitely one of those who at first was like, nah, Tank gotta just let this ride. But that was before I knew about money being in the equation. Cowboys fan at Papa J underscore is a saint. <laughs> Said the Niners earned the name more than D-Law and our sad excuse of lineman. He feels it's stupid because Tank isn't technically the originator of it anyway, so it lacks creativity. He got into the whole letter changing thing. I can understand that too. Again, it's a very petty topic, but it is business. So I'd be taking the same measures Tank is. People are going to say whatever until they're hitting the face with something. And that's just a universal truth with everything. No one cares until it's them. I also noticed no more talk of this, at least for now from San Fran, since Tank called his lawyers. Hmm... You can chalk it up to, oh, well, they were getting ready for the Super Bowl. Yeah, they were doing that the whole time, too. And now, look, they lost that battle, too, didn't they? They turned into the Cowboys, Hot Boys, all right. Wanted that title and then started playing like them. And that is why you have to be careful what you ask for. Hot take two, the Super Bowl. It looked as though San Fran was going to hold up against Kansas City by the 11-minute mark of the fourth quarter. And then Kyle Shanahan went full Shanahan and gave the game up the same way he did when he was in Atlanta and they lost the Super Bowl to the Patriots after being up 28-3. San Fran was up 20-10 going into the fourth quarter and gave up 21 unanswered points to lose. I figured San Fran was going to take it all as Mahomes threw an uh, interception with 11 minutes left in the fourth quarter. Boy, was I wrong. He did not let that deter him. 
they kept playing. Somebody told me not to count them out as a lot of time was still left on the clock. And usually I would agree if the game were a lot closer at that point. And maybe if it were another matchup, San Fran had been good all season to go down like that. Stephen A. Smith pointed out that Shanahan's teams in the past seven postseason possessions, I believe, score, were outscored 49-0. to zero. That is a wild stat to have on your resume. To have the game won and not be able to score at all in the fourth quarter is atrocious. You can blame the players. You can blame the coach. That's your business. But my goodness, that is horrible. I'm blaming everybody involved. Meanwhile, Mahomes and the Chiefs cooked up 21 points in the fourth to win it all. Shout out to the East Texas native, Mahomes. Some of my roots are in, in, are in East Texas. Mahomes had 26 completions on 42 attempts for 286 yards, two touchdowns, and two interceptions. We've all seen him do better, but hey, they got the job done at the end. That's what matters. And while we're on the Super Bowl, let's discuss the halftime show because a lot of disrespectful things were being said. Yes, the performance was good. It was great. I enjoyed it. No, it was not the greatest Super Bowl halftime show ever. And those of you who are saying that are either filled with lust (laughs) or you're new to watching Super Bowl halftime performances. You can say the performance was good without exaggerating and being disrespectful to the performances of Michael Jackson, Prince, Janet Jackson, despite the mess up, Beyonce, Bruno Mars, Coldplay, shoot, even Destiny's Child's performance was better. Katy Perry with Lenny Kravitz and Missy Elliott, that's up there too. So let's just be honest and say J-Lo and Shakira, they did great, they did their thing. But it was not the greatest Super Bowl performance ever. Like, come on. MJ hit the stage, didn't say a word for like five minutes, and people were passing out. Unfortunate for them because the brother put on one heck of a performance. And it doesn't get any better than Prince performing Purple Rain and it actually started raining. There's no topping that. But that concludes football. It makes me sad. Uh, Well... That really, just, that really just concludes the NFL season because we can look forward to the XFL, which kicks off Saturday, this Saturday. The first matchup on Saturday features the DC Defenders and the Seattle Dragons. Now, I'm looking forward to seeing a few familiar faces around this league who didn't quite pan out in the NFL or in college. Really looking forward to seeing defensive end Coney Ely, who's with the Houston Roughnecks. Ely got drafted in 2014 ahead of Jimmy G and Jarvis Landry, actually. He had stints with the the Panthers, the Patriots, the Jets, and then the Cowboys. Lord knows I wanted him to pan out in Dallas, but he didn't. Wide receiver Jazz Ferguson is with the Renegades. He ended up leaving LSU and going to Northwestern State and then had some really dope preseason highlights with the Seahawks. But it didn't work out. Quarterback and running back Quinn Flowers is with the Tampa Bay Vipers. Quarterback Cordell Jones is with the D.C. Defenders. I can remember the hype around him a few drafts ago. Uh, He left Ohio State and everybody was pretty much on the Cordell Jones hype train. I'm just really interested to see what he does at this level. Um, Quarterback Landry Jones is with the Dallas Renegades. And back with his former college coach, Bob Stoops. His issue right now seems to be health. Uh, He's 30 years old and suffered a knee injury in training camp. Expected to miss the first few games to start the season, which is a lot because their season is 
almost half the season of the NFL season. A few moments ago, I looked at the Renegades roster, and they also have Cameron Artis Payne and Lance Dunbar. Color me shocked right there. My boy, Marquette King, the punter, is with the St. Louis Battlehawks. I honestly miss seeing King in the NFL. He just brought a different swag to the position. I mean, the league only had like three black punters as it is uh, in league history. And those were Reggie Roby, Horace Gillum, and Marquette King. Roby played in the 80s and 90s with the Dolphins, the Redskins, the Bucks, the Oilers, and the 49ers. Gillum, uh, his career was with the Browns from 1947 to 1956. So that's just a little whole Black History segment right there in itself. But yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing those and many others. Now, the rules of this league are just a little bit different than the NFL, which is interesting in itself because this is about to get good. I'm curious to see what the feedback is from the fans. So check this out. So no surprise, onside kicks. They have to announce their plan for an onside kick beforehand. Points after touchdowns or PATs. No kicking for extra points. Teams have the option to run a play from the 2-yard line, the 5-yard line, or the 10-yard line for 1, 2, or 3 points. The defense is awarded the number of points the offense was attempting to score on if the PAT is a turn, results in a turnover and a score from it. There is a 25-second play clock that does not stop on incompletions. There's also a comeback period that stops the clock after every play with under two minutes to go in the half. It also prevents a team from kneeling out the clock unless their opponent has no timeouts and there is less than one minute left. I'm hoping this league can stick around for a long time, but even more than that, I'm hoping it brings the same quality of highlight reels that the NFL brings. Switching gears to some NBA talk. The NBA trade deadline was Thursday, and as expected, no big deals popped off really until minutes before uh, time was up. But in the meantime, NBA Twitter decided to cut up yet again. With all the rumors that were going around and what actually happened, I've been led to reassert my view on ring chasing. NBA veteran Andre Iguodala was traded from the Warriors to the Grizzlies this past year. Andre understood the reasoning for having to be traded, but was not okay with where he landed. He made it clear he did not intend on playing with Memphis, and so he's been sitting out. Many run with the notion that he wants to play with a team that has a chance at contending, and Memphis doesn't have that chance right now being that they're so young. However, Memphis is currently in playoff position, and Iguodala could really be a help to those young guys. David Aldrich tweeted on Tuesday saying that Iguodala is prepared to sit out the rest of the season if Memphis isn't able to orchestrate a trade with one of the agreed-upon teams he designated by Thursday's trade deadline. Memphis small forward DeLon Brooks was asked about the situation and he said, I can't wait until we find a trade for him so we can play against him and show him what, what Memphis is really about. And then Warriors guard and former teammate of Iguodala, Steph Curry, posted a picture of Iguodala on Instagram with a championship trophy. Steph then placed an emoji on it that has the finger in front of the mouth telling someone to be quiet. Memphis point guard John Morant then posted a picture of Kevin Durant with the championship trophy. 
basically to emphasize how Golden State's dynasty may have been in jeopardy without Durant versus without Iguodala. Here's my thing. I don't know if it was exactly in good taste for DeLon to speak on the matter anyway. Not saying you back down or kiss anybody's butt, but you probably just could have kept that to yourself. Um, same with John Morant. But you know, go off, young buck. It's your world. Go off. But if Iguodala wants to go, just let him go. I totally understand feeling a way about it, though. I feel Iguodala should have handled the situation better. I feel it would be more professional of him to play anyway. And then just work with the team on finding a better team that you would be happy with. Because uh, right now you look like you're ring chasing. And I know you have rings, but you look like you're chasing more rings. Nothing wrong with that. That's pretty much why everybody plays the game at that level anyway. However, KD just died on the cross for that. And I understand there are two different caliber of players. Their background is different behind how they navigated to a ring. But in essence, ring chasing is ring chasing. You do what you feel you need to do is best for you and your career. And that's why I wasn't upset at KD, Braun, or anyone else who did it. As I've said before, it is what it is. Ring chasing is ring chasing, no matter how you do it. Now, many feel that Andre should have a say in where he plays because he's a vet. He's put his time in, no doubt. But I feel like everybody should have a say in where they play. If I'm risking my body, I should have a say in where I do it. And that means even if I'm a rookie or if I've been in the league for 5 years, 10 years, 15. If I'm not happy somewhere, then that's just that. Find something that works for us both. As of Wednesday night, Miami acquired Andre Iguodala, uh, Jay Crowder, and Solomon Hill from Memphis in exchange for Deion Waiters, whom they plan on releasing, James Johnson, and Justice Winslow as a part of the package. They signed Iguodala to a two-year, $30 million extension, a really nice pickup for Miami, who's right now in fourth place in the East. Miami were really shooting to acquire Gallinari from Oklahoma City. And man, that would have really been a nice move. Memphis fan, I am Jay Malone on Twitter, is pleased with what the Grizzlies have done. He likes Wiggins to the Warriors as well and says he can see them gearing up for next season and he can see Wiggins playing as a three or four. At Uber the Diplomat on Twitter likes Iguodala to Miami's trade. Well, we now get a sense that Iguodala is happy there. He signed an extension there. So if he's happy there, I'm happy there. Good form. Really nice move by Miami. Tuesday night, while most of us were asleep, a four-team trade went down, which included 12 players. All right, we're going to try to make it through this. Here we go. Houston received Robert Covington, Jordan Bell, who was later traded to Memphis for Bruno Caboclo, and a second-round pick. Atlanta received Clint Capella and Nene. Minnesota received Malik Beasley, Juan Hernan Gomez, Evan Turner, Jared Vanderbilt, and a 2020 first-round pick via Brooklyn. Denver received Gerald Green, Keta Bates-Jop, Shabazz Napier, who was then traded to Washington for Jordan McRae, and then Noah Von Ley and a 2020 first-round pick via Houston. Now, Houston fans were a bit sick of uh, Clint Capella, and I mean rightfully so. 
But now they're forced to put P.J. Tucker at the five, and he doesn't seem too excited about that. So we'll see how long that lasts. I mean, at this point, the tallest player on their team would be Robert Covington, who's 6'7". I don't know if you got to see the Houston Lakers game last night, but um, Turk might be getting ate up at that five spot. They're going to have to sign somebody off the street or something. Sacramento traded Dwayne Detman in a 2020 and 2021 second round pick to Atlanta for Jabari Parker and Alex Lynn. Man, I had high hopes for Jabari Parker upon leaving Duke. I knew he left too soon. And I really wanted him to stay, but then it was like, well, he's going through with it. So I hope he turns into something. And he's just been going through it with injuries and being traded from team to team. It's just not working out for Jabari. I wish him the best of luck, though. The Knicks were pursuing D'Angelo Russell from Golden State, but that price was kind of steep. So Minnesota ended up trading for him in a deal that sent Andrew Wiggins to Golden State. Pretty fair trade for Golden State. I would have liked to see Russell with Clay and Steph, but being able to see Wiggins and how he may fit into that is going to be good as well. A lot of people are already calling for Wiggins to turn into Harrison Barnes 2.0. Call it what you want, but that Golden State front office is quietly cooking up something else. Former Pistons big man Andre Drummond is now a Cleveland Cavalier. I know Mavs fans have been begging for Drummond for quite some time, Whoop, well, that ship has sailed for now. I don't know if Drummond is too pleased with this move, though. I'd imagine he isn't, but I can tell he is displeased with the Pistons for how they did it. No warning at all. Drummond tweeted out, If there's one thing that I learned about the NBA, there's no friends or loyalty. I've given my heart and soul to the Pistons, and to have this happen with no heads up makes me realize even more that this is just a business. I love you, Detroit. The Knicks are sending Marcus Morris and Isaiah Thomas to the Clippers for Mo Harkless and other assets, but the Clippers are releasing Isaiah Thomas. I like this trade for the, Clip for the Clippers so far. I just wish IT could find the right team for him. I hate seeing him pass around every year. However, let's address how the Clippers tried to pull one over on the Lakers. They offered the Lakers Marcus Morris. Forget this. Kyle Kuzma. Danny Green, and future picks. So either that Knicks front office was high or was considering this to be ski mask season and they were hoping the Lakers front office was high because ain't no way. Ain't no way you was getting that. But anyway, Bucks fan at the only me on Twitter isn't upset at the Bucks not making any trades this season. He says their biggest issue has always been keeping a core together to build some chemistry. He also says, I feel like we're finally getting that. As far as other teams' trades, he likes Atlanta and Memphis. He thinks they both made some really good additions. He says Golden State is quietly preparing for another juggernaut roster. I think the Bucks are really cooking with something this year, y'all. At least for right now, I'll say that. I can see them taking the East for right now. With Kawhi being back in the West and KD being out, I can see them taking it. Um, now, when you throw a healthy KD and Kyrie together next season, things can get quite fun in the East, and it's really about time for that to happen. As far as Golden State goes, I'm glad I'm not the only one who see it. Y'all see it. Like, Golden State is going to be back. You can book it. They, they're going to be back. It won't be this season because I can't see them coming from last in the West 
to at least eighth in the West to make the playoffs this year. Even if if uh, Steph comes back, I'm pretty sure Clay is out for the rest of the season. But um, yeah, I look for them to be be something special again going into next season. Then we'll get to see this Warriors, Clippers, and Lakers showdown that's brewing. The basketball fan in me cannot wait. I'm excited. I can't wait. But until then, this has been episode four of Hot Take Season, where these hot takes are rated E for everybody. Y'all be blessed. Mm -hmm.